Welcome to the GS Nation podcast. Our focus is personal development, health, wellness, mindset, and entrepreneurship. Show notes may be found at gsnation.com slash podcast, as well as on our YouTube channel and in the details section of your podcast app. Thanks for listening. We're your hosts, Carrie and Dave. Let's rock and roll. What is up, GS Nation? Today, we have got Adam Von Rothfelder on our podcast. He is the CEO and founder of Strong Coffee Company. But before that, Adam was a professional fighter and gym owner. He moved to LA where he modeled for Versace and then trained the world's most powerful businessmen, after which he launched Strong Coffee. Strong Coffee is a brand for people who aspire to reach their potential. Their ethos is so heavily entrenched in their DNA that it's even in their name, STRONG, which happens to be an acronym meaning striving to reach our natural greatness. STRONG Coffee brings that specialty coffee experience to consumers in a healthy, done-for-you pre-mixed powder that includes instant organic coffee, grass-fed collagen protein, and MCT oil powder to fuel your mind and body for hours so you can spend more time and energy on the important things in life. If you're interested in giving Strong Coffee a try, head to their website, strongcoffeecompany.com. Use the promo code GSNATION at checkout and you'll receive 15% off your order. In this episode, Adam talks about how balance, consistency, and momentum are extremely important both in professional and personal life. So get ready to learn about how to accomplish your biggest baddest assed goals. Let's do it. Let's do it. Rock on. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, man. Well, we are recording here. We have got Adam Von Rothfelder uh, on the line here. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, stoked to be on the show and dive in, come up with some uh, fun answers, maybe pontificate and bullshit a little bit. So we, uh, beautiful. Yes. Yes. I'll try yeah. not to bullshit after pontificating. <laughs> I don't know. That's a Please. great vocab vote, vote no, word. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I love big words and I bullshitting is more than welcome on our show for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love words too. I, uh, I, I, I jokingly say that I'm going to do a stand up comedy special one day called words are funny. And, oh, no way. Give us a little snippet. You, you've um, got to have something. Or, or you could talk about your favorite words because I have favorites too. <laughs> well, like, well, you know, actually this is good for on par for the conversation that we're probably going to dive into. Um, but I think the word breakfast is a funny word, um, right? Like the semantic of the word is to break fast. And yet through enough psychological programming and everything else, you would have it believe that breakfast is cereal or breakfast is a specific food group when in fact it's really an action and not a meal. And that's how I think words are kind of funny is that you have people saying, walking around like really intelligent fucking people. And they're like, I don't eat breakfast. And I'm like, really? Well, you'd be fucking, you'd be fucking dead if you didn't eat breakfast, right? Because if you fast. never, because if you never broke your fast again, you would starve. <laughs> like, do you understand how stupid that sounds? So, my 
I, my comedy comes from a dark place of resentment with the industry at times. And with sometimes the customer service quandaries that I have with my company in which people like get fixated on a word and they don't read the rest of the words. And I'm like, God, words are funny because we only see what we want to see and we only hear what we want to hear. And yet we only believe what they want us to believe. Mm. So, um, so, you know, and that's, and that's marketing 101. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, uh, that's, you know, as much as I love marketing, it's, it's because of marketing and my despise for it at the same time and my love for the supplement industry. And yet my, the despise I have for that as well, that I was like, I need to, I need to come out with a product. I need to start a company that leads from the front and uh, doesn't fall into this funny words category and doesn't try to play with people's psychology and uh, the semantics and, and trends that were constantly, constantly uh, being pushed around with. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's definitely a good place to start because, you know, we've, we met at paleo FX uh, about, uh, I guess, two weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. And you were actually the first guy to walk up and introduce yourself to me um, as I was helping Mike Bledsoe, our mutual friend, carry some stuff in to set up for the booth. And I think the second thing I, I did was I got a strong coffee from you. And yeah, dude, I went back to that booth probably 20 times over the course of, of that three day conference. And I did so for a couple of reasons. It was delicious and it woke me the fuck up and it got me rock and rolling. Uh, but it's a lot different than any other coffee that I've had in that, you know, it truly is a, a well-rounded drink. You know, like if you're talking about breaking the fast, you want to do so with, you know, good carbs, good fats, good proteins typically, and, and stuff that's going to be easy on the gut and stuff that's going to, you know, help, provide you the energy that you need to rock and roll through your day. And as a guy who kind of came up in the powerlifting bodybuilding world and, and, you know, I've taken a thousand different supplements over the past dozen years, uh, really stopped doing much of that over the past two or three, once I kind of got into the more well-rounded holistic fitness world. But, um, your coffee stands out, dude, for many, many reasons. So talk about your motivations for starting it. Um, you know, and, and kind of, where that's led you to, to be now. Um, yeah, man. Uh, was that your, uh, before I dive in, was that your first time trying strong coffee or have you had first it time. before? No, never had that's it ama- that, That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, cause I know like, uh, the guys that you were with obviously, uh, enjoy consuming it a lot and even For sure. acc- accredited, uh, their ability to complete this program on time and, you know, be able to put the hours in, to a lot of it's the effect of strong coffee. Um, you know, I mean, I think they even had a sign, you know, they even have like a thing that says we couldn't have done it without strong coffee kind of thing, (laughs) you know? Um, and so, you know, uh, so that's cool. Thank you for, thank you for trying it. Thank you for the awesome feedback. I'm, I'm honestly humbled anytime I hear that. Right. Because I grew up, I grew up in the, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I grew up in a family that was overweight, um, unhealthy, you know, average American Midwest family, 
And I, just like any, you know, 12 year old kid with, um, with dreams of becoming Sylvester Stallone or Jean-Claude Van Damme or, Mm -hmm. you know, right. And, you know, and what that meant was that I, I had to, I had to be healthy. I had to work out. I had to lift weights. I had to do martial arts. I obviously had to learn an accent, um, (laughs) you know, and uh, which which one did you pick? (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I tend to go with an Australian one when need be. Um, yeah. So that's what I like to do. You know, sometimes I like to talk about, um, yeah, but yeah, so the Australian (laughs) accent, (laughs) um, so, so where, where it all came from was a true love for the fitness industry from an early age of 12 years old. Um, at 12 years old, my life really shifted and it brought, um, a lot of light to my life when my, when my brother, Donye, um, was adopted. So Danye is was born uh as a paraplegic with you know mental, you know, is mentally delayed and has all these physical problems, including like, you know, not no use of his legs or anything under his chest, right? So his spine, his abdominals, his his stomach, you know, all these things that don't function properly. And and at the age of 12, I learned how to take care of him. Right. Mm-hmm. So my mom was a nurse and she took care of Donnie in the hospital and said, he doesn't have a family. Can we bring him home and make him, you know, we can become his family. And as a family, we all voted, you know, voted yes. And, um, through that relationship and through Donnie coming into our family, I was early, ex- I was exposed very early on to health. I was very, I was exposed very early on to taking care of people. I naturally became a caregiver because of it. Hence all the years that I spent as a personal trainer. And even when I wasn't a trainer, when I did my stint and being an electrician or any other job I had, I always took it upon myself to want to help people work out, even if that meant doing it for free. Right. Yeah. And so early on at 12 years old, I like the internet was super new I had this, one of my brother, one of my little brother's nurses was a bodybuilder slash fireman. And he also owned a carpet cleaning business. Dude had three fucking jobs and he worked out. He was in good shape. Right. And I, and he saw me doing bicep curls in my bedroom with this old rusty barbell that I inherited from, you know, a second uncle, um, (laughs) you know, like, no reason why I inherited it from him. It literally was in the will for me to get this. And it's, you know, (laughs) looking at it, right. I mean, like looking at it, it completely foreshadowed my destiny, right? Like everything came from that barbell and my relationship with myself working out in my bedroom alone. And this fireman walks into my house one day to take care of Danya and he sees me working out. And the next day there's a stack of Iron Man magazines Mm. and right? Like 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever fucking magazines. It may have been only five, you know, but to me, it was like, he just laid down the Holy grail of information. And I just started reading and then I started applying and, and I had a very early understanding of like efficacy and, and, you know, science, because the magazine I was reading was Iron Man magazine. At the time, the editors were super focused on 
science of working out where a lot of these other magazines were all like ads and marketing hype and bullshit. I felt like, I felt like these guys at Ironman really knew what they were doing. So I started building my whole ethos around that idea of like doing shit, right? Like getting to the science of it, digging deep. And this was like in 1993, 94. Right. And I remember seeing, uh, ads, um, for like bulk supplements and in the back of some of these magazines and like, so you could like start your own supplement company. So at a young age, I started buying bulk supplements of like creatine, protein, glutamine, and, uh, different amino acids. And I would get them and I would measure them on a scale and make my own concoctions based off of the scientific studies that Iron Man magazine was public, you know, was published, uh, putting out there publishing and showing that like, you don't, you need this much creatine and you need this much this, but yet buying a product like that was fucking impossible. Right. Right. Because it was like, everybody's just trying to make a dollar. And because you're most likely just going to hear that creatine is great for building muscle most likely you're not going to do the science of why and how, right? So you're just going to see creatine. It has creatine. I buy it. Boom, done. And I wanted to take it based on the dosage that they said. So I started making my own shit. And funny enough, I used Tang to flavor it. So I would <laughs> take <helps>. Tang. <laughs> yeah, I would, take, I would take all those ingredients and then i just throw it into Tang. Tang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I, uh, I called it, uh, my first supplement ever as a 13 year old boy was called, um, monkey juice. Mm. And that was the name of that concoction. It was monkey juice. And, um, but so like that was, so I didn't one day wake up at 40 years old, overweight with a polo shirt on and decide to start a supplement company. Right. Right. Like at 12 years old, I knew that I wanted to be considered one of the best trainers in the world. Well, I did that when NBC casted me on the show as one of the 10 best trainers in the world, right? Like I wanted to be at 12 years old. I said I was going to be on the cover of a magazine and on the cover of a health magazine. And three years ago, I was on the cover of health magazine with my two daughters. And when I was 12 years old, I said that one day I would own my own supplement a nutritional company. And, and that's what I'm doing now. And it, it all started really as this 12 year old kid who just wanted to eat better than, than the average person that was around him was eating. I just wanted to be stronger, not only to look good, but to protect myself from an overbearing dad. You know, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that better listening, mm-hmm. you know, or, or wanting to feel more confident and secure as a man or as a boy right? Or for the girls out there, you want to feel more confident. Like there are these reasons that we work out not only for our own vanity as yet, you know, when we look at the self, we like what we see, but yet, you know, do we, do we like the way we feel? Right. And, and that I was looking to feel better and safer. I had big years. I was a really good athlete, but those things didn't matter because I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, too physically, fit. I wasn't, you know, my ears were bigger than my head, right? Like there were these things that weren't, 
right about me. So the gym made everything right, you know, and, and when I evolved and like through all this time and, you know, to save a shitload of time, it's like, you know, I, I, that was the thought I had at 12 years old and throughout my years of high school, playing sports, going into college, playing sports, losing my brother to a drug overdose. Right. And, and the effects that had on catapulting the trajectory of my dreams and finding the value in myself and the ability to do something great with something so sad around me and like being like the ultimate test of like other situations don't define your own right to, to fighting professionally for six years because of my brother's death and that ultimately leading to the consistent growth of me as like a, a an athlete and as a trainer and putting myself in so many scenarios in which I continuing, I, I continuously had to educate myself, which is how I got to be such a, like a highly acclaimed, you know, strength coach. Right. And you know, when to the second biggest turning point of my dad being diagnosed with cancer. And when, when that happened, I started, I really looked around and I was like, all the people that you're helping, everybody that you've been able to tell them to do this and not that, and those that listen and those that didn't, the one of the people that's closest to you didn't. Mm. And, and now is dying, right? And at that moment, I, I was living in LA and I, I moved back home immediately literally got in my car, packed everything and just drove off. Didn't say goodbye to anybody. Didn't quit my job. Didn't do anything. Um, and when I got back to Wisconsin, uh, I didn't know what I was there for. I knew that I had to like, you know, I, I knew that I had to like work on my relationship with my dad. And I knew that I had to help though. I, I knew that I had to continue to help more people and being a trainer wasn't enough. Right. So I, st so I started a gym. So now instead of me personally being responsible of helping like seven or eight people, nine people, I'm now helping 300 plus five to six employees pay all their bills. And this is like where I meet my wife and I have my first, you know, and my wife is now, you know, my, then my, you know, we were expecting our first child and this was five, five years ago and five, five and a half years ago. And while we were expecting our first child, I was for the first time in a long time, I was tinkering with making supplements again. And it had been, you know, from the age of 12, 13, 14 being the last time that I really like tinkered with it. I, you know, now I'm 31, 32 and I started making this formula of something you could put in your coffee that would help you with all the problems that the majority of us suffer with, suffer from, from anxiety to gut issues, to joint problems, this and that. 
So five and a half years ago, I came out with strong coffee, you know, the first, first variation. Hmm. And, and it was because a friend of mine, I was making it. I was making this for friends all the time for over a year. They come into my house and I made them what was called the silver bullet. And because at the time, because at the time, bulletproof coffee was just popularizing, but I, I didn't like the way bulletproof coffee, coffee tasted. And I felt like it was incomplete as it didn't have proteins and different things in it. Right. It's just Mm -hmm. a fat bomb. So, yep. Yeah. It's it's just a fat bomb. So then I was like, okay, collagen, not only for gut health for joint health, but even for brain health, as there are certain things in there that help dopamine and serotonin, right. And as proteins are exceptionally important to the brain, but then we, you know, putting L-theanine in it to help with overall any type of anxiety or jitters, um, And then, you know, was was the initial start and I would then combine it with coconut palm sugar or, and, um, raw vanilla bean or cacao. Uh, so it was like, it, it was something you just put in your coffee and my buddy was like, man, you should really package this. And I was like, wow, I could package this. (laughs) And I'm like, and I could give it to my dad and he would drink it in his Mm. coffee and maybe he would actually, and this is like deep into his cancer, into his leukemia. And I, I just thought maybe I could give him something that would give him the certain amount of nutrients that, you know, the healthy fats from the MCT, the collagen, the L-theanine for his anxiety through, you know, all the chemo he's going through because he was still drinking coffee, but he wasn't eating. Right. And so that was the first time strong coffee ever got put in a bag. And it was about five months later that I had an official bag and, you know, I had a, a partner in it and a, an investor and, um, we lost our ass. We didn't have like the right plan, but we sold out of the first batch and we didn't have enough money to reorder. And it was just kind of, you know, my first crack at it, really, I was just extremely distracted because my dad was about a month away from dying and my daughter was just born. Mm-hmm. So, so my daughter's born and three months later, my dad passes away. And as this happens, I get a call from NBC. <laughs> I get a call from, I get a of call. Course. From, right. I get perfect a call timing. from yeah, perfect timing. Sure, I'd love to go on a TV show and be gone for three months. <laughs> you know, um, I also get a I get a call from Versace and end up shooting like the biggest Versace campaign at the time with Gigi Hadid and you know all these incredible models that were like two of them won model of the year that year and um, it was just like a whirlwind and I I, I shut it all down. We didn't have any money. Like our investor didn't want to put any more money in. I was like, I don't have any fucking time or patience for this. My dad died. My daughter's born. I'm going on a TV show. Oh yeah. Guess what? My wife's pregnant again. Um, <laughs> Your wife is an incredibly patient human being. She is an Y'all don't even know. I'm sitting here like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. Angel. Yeah, it was, she awesome. was an angel, 100, 100%. None of this would be possible without her. Oh. Um, you know, she gave me a reason uh, to, 
you know, believe in something outside of like the family I have is like the family that I needed was being created. And like everybody came into each other's life at like the most perfect time. And it's not often you get like a perfect storm. I don't think it's actually ever. I think you just have to, you know, learn how to ride out, you know, ride out bad weather, you know, because there's good weather hidden in between. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was pouring all day today and now it's like super sunny out. You know, I mean, it's like, so, you know, when, when my dad passed away, um, and I went and did this TV show and everything, I, it was a real awakening, uh, to me, you know, the, the amount of, the amount of pain I was in, uh, with my brother was very different because I was young and I didn't understand a lot. And I, I was far more ready for my dad's passing and it was harder to lose my dad than my brother. But at the same time, it was because I was in a better place. And when, when, when my dad passed away, I realized again, life reminded me how short life is. Mm -hmm. And that's what, accelerated my trajectory when I was younger. You know, I went from being a 22 year old trainer to a year later being, you know, getting my pro card and professional fighting. And I had not even fought more than a year and I just poured every bit of pain and, you know, anguish into, into fighting. So it's like that carrot, that, 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 that gas on that, on that fire, you know, don't underestimate like what a little pain can do for someone and how it can motivate you. Yeah. You when know, you harness the, it. Yeah. When you harness it, exactly. Instead of sitting in the corner and crying. And mm-hmm. that was something I promised I wouldn't do. And it, when my dad died, I made that promise again. And at that, it was months later that I decided to shut down my gym and that I needed to, I needed to, you know, finish this mission. Like I was never going to be the best trainer in the world. If I owned a gym in Wisconsin, you know, I was never going to reach these heights if I stayed where I was. So, uh, you know, I sold everything and it got rid of everything. And we, you know, it's, it's what I call burning the boats. You know, we, we, you know, don't burn bridges. Like burning a bridge is like killing a a relationship, you know, like, that doesn't make sense, but we definitely need to burn boats. I mean, when, when I look at the way that all so many of us go into new things, it's like how people don't break up with somebody, you know, because they don't have somebody else, but then they break up with somebody, you know, because they, they feel secure that they have someone else on the other side. Right. And a lot of people do that with jobs. Like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just, I got to keep my job until I find like the right job or whatever. It's like, well, maybe all this time you're spending at your fucking current job is keeping you from your real job. (laughs) Like this, like this, like this, like dream job that like is waiting for you, but you're spending nine hours a day, not looking right. Like you're spending Mm -hmm. nine hours of energy a day and not putting in. So I, I, I had to get rid of the gym. I had to get rid of everything. It's an all-in mentality, you know. It's an all-in mentality. Exactly. Did you 
Did you feel like you just got, I mean, so hearing you speak now, obviously it sounds like you've learned. I mean, it sounds like every single thing in your life that has happened, you make sure you find a lesson from, but at the time when you, when, when it first kind of hits you, like, I think I need to sell my gym. Like in that moment where you, super prepared, like ready to do it. Like, yep. Okay, cool. Like that's what I'm going to do. Or did it take more convincing like at that time? No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fire than aim kind of guy. Cool. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am too, but every time I, we interview people, I'm always just thinking about my listeners because what you're describing, like I've literally looked at 15 people and said, quit your job. And they're like, what, why? And I'm like, because you come home crying every single day, like quit your job. And they're like, well, I still have my health benefits. And I'm like, okay, well like then, you know, quit your job and like figure it out. (laughs) But, um, you know, I I do know most people aren't like that, but sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no interruption. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going off. I'm just going off and talking here. So, I mean, I like my, no, I, I think about things and I strategize like a million times in my head. And I used to do this when I would fight, I would, I would see me getting knocked out. So I'd like visualize me getting knocked out. And then I would look at the vision and I would say that would never happen. Like that's, that's impossible. Like I'm too fast. I'm too fast for that. Right. Like, or like somebody wouldn't be strong enough to do that to me. Right. And then whenever that would come in the fight, cause it always did. I always, the, the outcome always went my way. I mean, like my record showed it, you know, in the sense of like my ability to like execute a fight and and be confident in it. Like the only fights I ever lost were my first two fights and every fight after that, you know, 13 later I won. And it just took me a minute to understand how to prepare mentally. So when I thought about moving to LA with my wife and kids, I was out in Malibu. I'm working with, you know, Laird Hamilton and Gabrielle Reese and Mm -hmm. these opportunities come up to train, you know, the founder of Tom's. And, and some other people. And they're like, you don't live here. They're like, move here. They're like, I'd hire you. You know? And I'm like, cool. Cool. Let's so, do it. <laughs> so let's, let's fucking do it. Right. Yeah. And then doing it and then nothing going right. Right. Like everything going wrong. Right. Like the, like the place that we're supposed to stay, we can't stay there anymore. Right. Like, so now we have to find an apartment. We have no money for a down payment. I had a 401k. I cashed it in, got money for an apartment. If anybody's listening, they're like, oh, 401k for a It's like, you obviously don't know the down payment for an apartment in <laughs> LA and how much rent costs. So me and my wife and my kids, we figured it out. We like ducked, rolled, bobbed, weaved. We're sleeping on air mattresses and eating off the same four plates every day for one month, right? until I get enough clients that we can go buy real beds and more plates and a frying pan instead of using an electric skillet. And, you know, it's, it doesn't turn out perfect, but if you wait for perfect, it's never going to turn out. Yeah. And, and I know that 
life is for the living. And I don't want to get caught sleeping in one place for too long. Mm. You know, and it's like the experiences I have through moving and meeting people, like that's the shit that we're going to be like stoked on one day when we're dying. Exactly. Right? Like not the same asshole you had dinner with every fucking day for 30 years because they're your neighbor and it's a, it's a relationship of convenience. But it's like living in 10 fucking 15 different places, moving one, you know, once a year, once every two years, and just like not putting a stipulation on it. I mean, we were nomadic you know, for so many, you know, so many centuries and thousands of years that we didn't just have a singular home. And now we're just supposed to sit at, you know, one spot and wait for everything to come to us. Well, it's like the shit that I want is out there. So I need to go to it. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's like a, it's chapters to a story. And, and I feel like, you know, being the modern day story for most people is so fucking boring. It's just boring. Yeah. You know, it is. It's very boring. It's, um, it's, it's like, I was raised to go to college, get a job and, mm-hmm. you know, have 2.5 kids. The minute I told my parents that I was, <laughs> I don't know how you have a half a kid, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> That's um, the average. yeah, but that is the average. But you know, when, when I told, when, when I became a fighter, my parents cried when I became, you know, an electrician, they were proud of me. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, do you know that more electricians die every year than fighters? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, and you're Statistically, worried about this is not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you're worried about me going into a ring? You know, it's like, and living some life that you're just, the, the fact is, is you're just not comfortable with it because you're not familiar with it. Yeah. Right? right? And it's like, don't allow your insecurities or like you're the unknowing to keep me from knowing. You're finding right? out. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Like knowing, like, I want to know, like, I want to personally firsthand figure this shit out. They, they, Mo, there's a guy named Moshe Feldenkrais and Moshe Feldenkrais is like a, like a 18, seven, I don't, I, I forget what year, years he was around, but he's a G, right? Like wrote, like <laughs> wrote some G. of the coolest. Yeah. Like an old school G wrote some of the coolest shit about movement and health and effectively we're, we're, we're made up of three different, three different things, right. That like make us who we are heredity, others experiences, and then our own experiences. So I think the fastest way to find out who you are is you need to have more of your own experiences, Mm. right? Because that's the only way that you're going to control more of that. Like effectively, I'm only responsible for one third of who I am. Like if you think about it, right? Like only one third of me is a me that I, that I chose through experience. The rest of it was put upon me through my parents' ideas or my parents' heredity, which obviously we can't have a choice on the genetic pool that we're birthed in. But like, we could also look at it like, shit, like I don't have control of a lot of what I am and who I become in a lot of ways based off of the way of like cultural restraints and and genetic restraints, Mm -hmm. right? So when I realized that, I was like, fuck, man, I need more of my own experiences. So 
if I keep on celebrating Christmas with my parents or my mom or my sisters, well, that's just like how Christmas is, right? Like, but what if I could make Christmas different? What if it didn't have to be about greed? What if it didn't have to be about, you know, subjecting my kids to the idea of spending hundreds of dollars per person because that's what Christmas is? Or, you know, eating cookies until you want to throw up, right? And that's like, that's my sister, that's my mom's experiences and the experiences that I was taught. Yet, however, I want to create my own. And I think if that all comes back down to the idea of like, I want to do shit my way, which is where strong coffee came from. Like, how is it that we're still brewing coffee and putting it inside of, you know, blenders and mixing things in it when in fact we can make something so much better for you, so much healthier and so much faster and so much tastier, right? Or it's like, why are we still working out in the ways that we do or eating the ways that we do as a society when there are better ways? And it's because we're like stuck in the constructs, you know, in the constraints of like what has been like, this is what this is. And this is what it always will be because this is how it was introduced to you. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to like breakfast, you know I mean? It, right. It goes back to that very first thing we, we talked about. And, and, so when and that's you, when I drop the mic and I walk away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Full like, circle. circle. Yeah. Full circle. How <laughs> Dave Chappelle like how Dave Chappelle like talks for like a straight hour and then he somehow brings it full circle it to the beginning of the joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the stand up might be a, a nice uh, fifth career for a little me, hobby. Yeah. yeah. A little hobby. Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you a funny joke about stand up before you uh, ask me a question. Um, I once, I used to travel with Pauly Shore <laughs> and as his trainer and kind of like security guard for like his stand-up shows uh, when he traveled, um, he would just make sure that like, he just asked me to make sure like nobody would touch him or, you know, like whatever, pretty, pretty basic stuff. Um, you know, but one day we're sitting at breakfast and this is after like watching him do comedy for like a week. And I'm like, this doesn't look too hard. I think I could do this. And I, not to say that like Pauly Shore makes it look easy or, you know, it's hard, you know, or whatever it is, not to discredit anybody who's stepped up on a stage and has miserably failed, but I feel like I could do it. And I said it out loud to him <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> he goes, you should really just stick to what you're good at. <laughs> and and I was like, fuck, Paulie Short just told me to stick to what I'm good at. I'm like, damn. I'm like, you know, and at that time I was like, what the fuck am I good at? And he like, he was like, he's like, come on, man. He's like, you're like one of the best trainers in the fucking world. He's like, why don't you just be one of the best trainers in the world? And it, it was funny, but like Paulie Short kind of put me in check because at that mm. moment I was really thinking about giving a lot of that up. And, uh, I had just, filmed a feature movie. I was modeling in New York. I had all these auditions. I was like, wait a second. I think I might be able to make a go at this. And, um, who knew that Paulie Shore would give me life advice? I mean, Hell yeah. cra crazy, right? Like one minute I'm watching him in son-in-law or in the army now. And the next minute he's giving me fucking life advice. Um, experience. Yeah. Uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How old were you at that point? I was, um, God, it was right before, 
right before I had a baby is what he always says. Um, <laughs> I was, so I was, I was 30, I was 32. I was 32. Um, yeah, I met him in Miami at a model beach volleyball tournament. And I was asked if I would interview him and I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I'd love to Paul inter- interview Pauly Shore. And, uh, it was, we just became friends. So, um, what was the question you were going to ask me, bud? I, I have no idea. And just like, poof, it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. Um, and it's gone. Um, yeah. I mean, it traveling with Polly was, was just like one of the many like odd things I did. You know, uh, a lot of people don't know that I starred in a feature film that was a Lionsgate film and Lionsgate pulled out and like a month before filming. So the main actor pulled out and I was the stunt man and I ended up taking on the full role as the actor. Whoa. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, yeah, I mean like Tyron Woodley, like the UFC champion was, was in it. Uh, Imani Lee, a former WWF wrestler. He recently passed away, unfortunately, but I mean, there were a, a lot of different, amazing, uh, people that were in the, that were in the movie and it just got stuck in post-production. Um, you know, the, the modeling, like, you know, walking from Mark Jacobs and doing all these things, you know I mean? It's funny. Like one minute I'm training billionaires, you know, one minute I'm modeling naked or in my underwear in New York city, you know, for, for some, you know, underwear company or Versace or something. And the next minute, you know, I'm training billionaires in California and, you know, I mean, it's, it's been such a whirlwind that all I can say be that, you know, to, to all of it is thank God for fucking goals. Yeah. Right? Like, so like, like all the shit could have derailed me, but thank God at 12 years old, I had a fucking goal, right? Like that was, and like somehow it echoed loud enough that in a time that I felt lost, it came back to me. Yeah. We talk a lot about motivation versus inspiration. How, how have you continued? I mean, it's clear that throughout your entire life, you've just been extremely driven and consistent in order to, you know, have these kinds of experiences and get to where you are. And what are your relationships with both or either or motivation and inspiration? Yeah. Um, can you hear me all right? Yeah. yeah. Loud and clear. Beautiful. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, not to, not to uh, bring in a third one, but I, 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 I joking. So just like I have a stand up comedy special called uh, words are funny. I have a, I have a, I have a book, uh, a book gag title called moment, uh, motivation is dead. So, (laughs) so I think that motivation, um, motivation is like diet. It's like the word diet. So this could be part of the strong words. 
uh, comedy special too. So, um, <laughs> I, I love how you so, named it the strong words <laughs> special. Yeah. yeah. Comedy special. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's just becoming realer and realer here. Yeah. Talk uh, about goals, man. You know, like here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, it here it is. Yeah. Here it is. Um, so motivation is wait, 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 really fast. You, we now have to officially have front row seats to your first stand up show. God, I really got to do this. Like now, oh, I mean, it's, it's kind of like already happening. <laughs> yeah, I bet I could get like a really good team of comedy writers to help me out with funny words. Um, so any listeners out there that want to help me with some jokes, you just let me know. Um, I think um, a good part of the comedy special is I could show that scene from Black Sheep when David Spade is all high on nitrous gas and he starts saying roads, but he says row ads. Right. And uh, <laughs> um, so motivation is dead. Um, motivation is temporary, right? Like if, if you needed motivation today and then it worked, then why do you need motivation tomorrow? Like it's, it's a really, it's a really tight, it's a, it's a, it's a quick fix. Like I see a person with a better body than me. So I go and work out today, but yet that isn't put in front of me today or tomorrow. So it doesn't happen again tomorrow or whatever. Um, I was inspired to go to the gym by this ad. Um, but yet, you know, that ad didn't happen the next day. So therefore I lost all inspiration. Um, right. So it's like, I kind of feel like they're both finite resources where, Mm -hmm. I look to, as I say, momentum. So momentum, momentum is, is the new motivation, right? It's, it's, it's not stopping even for a day. And even if that only means that you put in 30 minutes or one hour that day, it's, it's, it happens, right? So I have a saying called earn the day and earn the day has been something that I've talked about for nine plus years. I've been speaking on stages about it. I'm maybe not a good enough speaker to that people would have heard about it quite yet. Or, you know, maybe I don't put enough energy into the, into this message as I've been very busy with a billion other things in my life. Yet earn the day has always held a close place in my heart. My dad was buried in a shirt that said earn the day. Mm. Um, I've, you know, I have literally, you know, it, 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 I have it tattooed on my finger just to remind me that every day you have to put a little bit in. And if you don't, then I don't think you're ever going to reach where you want to go. Right. And if somebody is climbing a mountain and this mountain is sheer ice and they stop even for a moment, they risk sliding. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't want to slide back. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to reset. Like, even when I go on vacation, I, I take, you know, one hour in the morning to look through my emails, right? Before anybody is awake, because it makes me feel that much better that I put just a little bit in. Because when I get back to work on a Monday, I never say, oh, fuck, it's Monday. It is never something I say. Right. Like I don't remember any time I've ever actually said that because I've always had this mentality. And you've I've created a lot of, 
Yeah. And, and you've, you've created a life that, that you clearly are passionate about and that you love. And that certainly, certainly helps. Certainly helps. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly helps because I, I, I willed it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I made it that way because I earned the day, you know, like I, I, I fucking show up, right? Like you don't own shit. Like every day you have to earn your keep, right? Like nothing is given, nothing is received. Like nothing is just like there because you left it there. This isn't a to be continued. This isn't like pause, save, start back over on my video game in the same exact spot the next day. Like nothing ever happened. You know, this is, this is real life. And if you stop moving, if you stop progressing, if you stop pushing, if you stop learning, if you stop educating, you know, the people around you or, you know, whatever it is, you're going to lose something. You're going to fall back. You're going to slip somewhere. And then you're going to look for more motivation. And that just takes time. Right. Mm -hmm. So some people would be like, Oh, you need to take time off. You need to do this. You need to do that. Well, maybe you're doing the wrong thing that you feel that you need to. Right. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you don't have the dream job. It doesn't matter how much money you fucking make. If you feel like you need to go on, like it cracks me up when people in Malibu and (laughs) in LA tell me they're going on vacation. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, what, what the fuck do you need to go on vacation for? You're an actor who lives in Malibu. (laughs) Who, Like what's vacation to you? I mean, like vacation to me is working out, being in the sun, hopping in a nice car that's most likely a rental, staying in a dope place that's cooler than my house. Um, yeah, you're you're pretty much doing it, man. Yeah, you're doing it right. <laughs> like, like you're doing it already. Definitely you know? add that to your words is funny skit because that was hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah, on vacation. I, I'm confused. What are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah, what what are you trying to say here? I I jokingly asked one of my buddies who's a you know, a CMO of a, of a, of a, of a company and, you know, entrepreneurs, they're fucking hilarious. And, you know, it's like, Hey man, like I'm in town. You want to catch a soccer game? Sorry, man. I'm in Mexico for a wedding. It's like, this is like your third or fourth fucking trip to Mexico this month. <laughs> like, you know, do you work? Like, are you home? Like, is that, is that a thing? Uh, Cause like, I don't imagine you get as much done as I do sitting on the beach, working on your laptop. Like there's no way, like there's no way you're moving as fast as I am sitting in the comfort of an office or my, my house. I, I just don't, I just don't think so. So to, to answer your question, people need to stay motivated through being, through not thinking about motivation. They need to think about the momentum. Cheat days are a great one as they like derail people, mm-hmm. right? Like that is a killer of momentum, like full blown cheat day. I just kind of roll through my cheat meals throughout my day, throughout my week, because it's just momentum. It's like, Hey man, if I just have like two or three shitty things every week, this is my game plan. This is what I'm going to do. And it just feels really good. I never get thrown off, which is, you know, how I've been able to at 37 years old, never not have like a six pack since you know, sixth grade. And I've never, 
been some extreme crash diet or some shit, you know, or right. extreme workout person. You know, I, I, I stick with consistency, um, as that is like, that's sexy, right? It may not seem sexy online. Extremes are what sell, you know, and stuff like that. But I like consistency. I like balance. I like momentum. Consistency, balance, and momentum are three great, great overarching themes to, to focus on. And so how do those show up in your daily practices? You know, what, what is, what do you do on a daily basis? You know, as far as having those three things apply. Um, yeah. So every morning, uh, since I was 12 years old, I've been waking up at 5am and that's even on weekends. That's even if I'm on vacation, that's even if I'm sleeping at a friend's house, I am walking around your house at 5 a.m. trying to figure out what to do until other people wake up. It's <laughs> a lifelong right? journey. <laughs> it really is. It's like, fuck, I'm always up like hours before everybody, you know, and like going on vacation, it sucks because I'm like, people wake up and I like made breakfast for everybody and clean the house just because I was looking for something to do. Um, so waking up at 5am, um, and then, so the reason why it started is because I had a paper out Mm. and I had this realization that smart people like read the newspaper, right? Like kind of right. Like people who are informed, people who are like doing shit in their lives. So it's like, if this newspaper has to be at their house at before 6 a.m., like everybody must be waking up super early, you know, like even these people in these big ass houses that I'm delivering newspapers to. So that was a, that was kind of like a connect the dot for me where I'm like, wake up early, be successful, right? Like the guy that you bring a newspaper to that has the Lexus and the nice house in the, in the subdivision is always leaving at five thirty AM. Right. Like, right. Um, so that was, that, that's, that's a form of my consistency. Um, my balance, um, well back to the consistency. I have always worked out four to five days a week. Um, that has been when I lost that about a year ago, when I first moved to LA three years ago, I, I almost completely lost it for about a year or two where that was something that consistency I lost and it really shifted my life in a very shitty way. Mm. So all of a sudden not having that part of my consistency showed like physical, you know, pain manifested into physical pain, emotional, emotional anguish, just not being able to move and, you know, do the things I want to do and lift weights. Like if I'm not, you know, moving and exhilarating, you know, throwing things around and, and playing, like I feel very lost. Right. Like that's like a, it's, it's a part of me because I've been doing it for so long. Um, so there, that's like another, you know, very big part of consistency. Um, I have always consistently looked at things in a balanced manner as well. So balance, so balance, I've always enjoyed physical balance. So like the actual act of balancing has always been really interesting to me. I have what some people would say 
a freakish balance. Like for a 205 pound guy, I can, you know, do a vertical 35 inch jump and land on a handrail on steps and balance and walk on the handrail. Right. And, you know, I can do three sixties on a, on a slack line, right. Like just like standing in one place and spinning in a circle. And this is something that has always been something that I've done as I always found a way that when balancing gave me the ability to feel like mentally balanced. Mm. So like physically balancing would make me feel mentally balanced. I, I would call, I used to call it an act of meditation um, until I read that there's like a book called that. And I didn't want to like steal the person's, (laughs) you know, title, not that I'm, not that I'm, you know, writing a book or anything, but I, I call, you know, balancing the act of meditation because I believe it's probably the most present based thing you can do with your body. And the higher the risk, the more presence you have to have. Right. Right. And the harder it is to be present with more risk. So I think that mirrors success a lot. Um, and like striving for success, you know, be it money or, you know, business growth, like whatever it is, the noises are going to get louder and it's going to be harder to keep shit clear. Right. And, uh, somebody that's walking on a tightrope, you know, 50 stories up is seeing and being stimulated a lot more than the person who's just balancing on a curb. Right. Um, so it forces you to be that much more present. Um, the balance too, then like it's injected into my life through that same mindset as, you know, while everybody is like keto this or, you know, X that or whatever it is, I've always just been like macros balance. Mm-hmm. Like what are, what are you trying to achieve? there are rules that the body must follow because it's fucking science, right? right? Like if you want to put on muscle and do X, Y, and Z, this is the way you should eat. And this is what you need to eat. But if you have, if you have epilepsy and autoimmune disease, well, this is the way you should eat, right? Instead of like just selling the next sexy thing, I've always just kind of said, at least they'll say I'm consistent right? Like at least they'll say my message never was all over the place. And I've never sold anything until I came out with strong coffee. Like I've never been the person on social media selling shit until I came out with strong coffee, you know? So, Uh, but, but that's your thing. So it makes it, that's my thing. Yeah. So it's okay to sell it. Yeah. I mean, I'll sit on the fucking street corner if I have to, to sell it. Also too, um, it sounds like it's a very authentic product and it's at no point, I mean, you're, it's something you're proud of and that you, you know, science is behind it. Like you have no problem selling that. 100%. Somebody actually said to me that, that, that doesn't know me super well, but knows me enough. And it was actually really cool to hear it from him. But he, um, his name is, uh, Joe, Joe DI. He's the former director of Spartan. And the Spartan racers. And he said to me, he's like, I was just on his podcast and he introduced me as one of the most, the most consistent people he's ever met and most authentic. And he said, 
is that your product is so authentic to who you are that when I mix up strong coffee and I have a sip, I literally feel like I'm hanging out with you. Wow. Right. And, and like that made me feel amazing because I'm not the 40 year old guy wearing a polo shirt trying to sell you a product. Right. right? Like I put my blood, sweat and fucking tears into this place. I'm the biggest fan of people like you, you know, like people that start things and make supplements and create programs and have podcasts. And I'm, I'm just as big of a fan and consumer as the person that's buying my product. You know I mean? Like I'm no different when a box of supplements or something comes to my house, I'm just as excited to open it and, and, and everything. And to hear that, like my message and my words and my thought process and my energy comes through my product was, you know, I don't think like it could be any better. Right. And, and that's like my goal. That is my goal with strong coffee is to remain authentic, to remain true to the people that, that believe me and that need me. And I feel that there are a lot of people that not need me, but need strong coffee need. There are a lot of people that need strong coffee. There are a lot of people out there that are struggling with anxiety, people that are struggling with depression, people that are struggling with energy and their ability to recover because they're dehydrated and they're constantly under some type of stress and they're not eating enough. They're not eating right. Like if, if, if it takes you 30 minutes to make your fucking coffee in the morning, you should probably be making breakfast, <laughs> right? Like, like there are, there are a lot of things that are going wrong and I'm just hoping that the people that are looking to maintain health and, you know, it's like, hey, you want a keto product? Great, great. My product's keto. You want a paleo product? Great. My product's paleo. Like I hit all the check boxes, but I didn't, I'm not going to say like, I'm not going to put a bunch of fat in the product because I don't believe in that. Like, I don't believe that you need to ingest 30 grams of fat at, in one sitting. You know, like, I don't think you should not have any carbohydrates. I mean, last time I checked, the people that are making those fucking rules don't look like me with their shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. You know what I mean? I mean like earns confidence like, right there. No, I love it. Yeah. You earned that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when anybody is like, oh, do this diet, and then you see like a billion CrossFitters following that diet, and you're like, aren't any of you worried about mega like cortisol issues or like any of that from like intermittent fasting um, and doing like maximum amounts of like working out. Like, do you know that there is no scientific data at all behind the idea of working out in a fasted state, having any increase in metabolic activity? There is zero scientific data that shows this. Right. And you have all these people that are like concerned about performance and going to the gym and worried about their blood hormone levels and everything and recovery. And yet they're like starving themselves and introducing a massive dose of cortisol into their body because they're not eating breakfast. They're tr slamming, you know, stimulants, not getting enough nutrients. They're not hydrating in the morning. Like this is a, this is a, a, a serious problem. And one that I used to fix one by one with my individuals and I mean, there, this is the reason why people that are worth a half a billion dollars and up hire me. I mean, yeah. like 
I coached Ray Lewis. I coached Joakim Noah. I coached Blake Mikoski, the founder of Tom's. I coached Peter Thiel, the founder of fucking PayPal, right? Like these are people who can afford anybody. And ultimately they're like, I need somebody that sees it in a way that is sustainable, that is real and that is authentic. And it's just going to give it to me, you know, straight. And that's like where I've made my money as a trainer is just giving people shit straight. Like, fuck that. That doesn't work. Do this. Not because it works for me because it's science. (laughs) That's so in a, in a prior life, uh, I was a financial planner for about seven years and, you know, I was writing programs for people. I was competing on, and, you know, obstacle course racing on, on my own. And I hated it because no one knows what the fuck the market's going to do. And if they do, if they say that they do, then they're lying. And, right. you know, it's, it was just total speculation and it was total, like, it was all, if this, then that scenarios. And what I absolutely love about health and wellness is you're right. It, much of it is just fucking science. Like it, 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 it is an if then, if this, then that statement that actually happens, you know, like yeah. you said, you know, Hey, if you're trying to gain muscle, well, like you need to eat X amount of protein. If you eat, you don't eat enough protein, it's going to be a lot harder for you to gain the muscle. And, and that's a right. very basic thing to, to example to use, but it's, it makes it, Total sense. And right now, and right now, there's some like vegetarian or vegan or somebody that's listening, and they're like, uh, uh, you know, and <laughs> oh no, he I didn't, mean, right? And it's like one, fuck you. Two, <laughs> like two, you, you may have some outliers, right? There might sure. be a guy out there who only needs 100 grams of protein a day, and he weighs 230 pounds of lean, solid muscle, right? Right, but, like, but that's there, genetics potentially, and probably right. You know, it's right. one third genetics environment is great, you know, and then he right. took care of that other 33%. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, don't tell me the outlier. Like, I don't want to see, you know, the, the Buddhist Tai Chi monk who hasn't, who hasn't eaten anything in five weeks other than like sun gazing and like that being something that is somehow sustainable. It's like, it's like even like the stuff that Wim Hof promoted, like when that stuff originally came out, it was in like the seventies and it was considered holotrophic breathing. Right. And it was completely shunned by the health industry because of brain damage. And when you talk to anybody who's like a mega health professional that had, like people like Nora Gagadius, who is, extremely intelligent in this space. She was like, I'd be careful with that. Back in the seventies, there was a guy that started this called holotropic breathing and it was the same thing. And it actually causes brain damage. And it's like, Hey, guess what? Breathing like that does actually cause damage. Like it's not like it works for Wim Hof, right? Like it's not going to work for everybody. And although it might improve you in some way, like you can't like take what one person is doing as a methodology and apply it to yourself completely without the education of like the other side, like other breathing methods that you should maybe look at. Maybe you should not mouth breathe. Like, like all these things, it's so easy to get caught up in the trend and in the hype 
But like in the reality is educate yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if somebody's saying that they can predict something, if, if you have somebody telling you to do this diet or do this workout program and you haven't even talked to them yet, don't listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they are not giving you, they are not giving you good advice, right? They're giving you their personal opinion, not, not something that's scientifically backed and driven. Right. And I think that when I look at the industry, it's not just trainers that are doing this, but it's supplement companies that are getting away with, you know, murder when it comes to, you know, the, the studies that they show and some of the, some of the data that is just very biased and very skewed based off of other data. Right. You know, and it's like, it don't work that way. Like there was an entire podcast with Chris Cresser and this one vegan guy on Joe Rogan's podcast. And these guys, these motherfuckers debated for four hours and not one of them came up with an answer that actually had an, uh, like, like that you couldn't argue around based off of how that study was suggested or like based off of, right? Like everything was, Oh, is it this? Is it double blind? Is it that? Is it this? Is it, you know, and they kept on like dispelling each other. And like at the end, I'm like, what are we supposed to do? Eat fucking air. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, and, and that's a great point, man, because have you seen Michael Pollan's in defense of food? Uh, no, I have not. I've heard I should. Um, I've been all about that games of Thrones shit and I don't really have any time. (laughs) Um, Hell yes. I'm right there with you. I'm new to the show. So nobody say shit. (laughs) Oh man. I'm so glad you just said that. Cause I was about to be like, what do you feel about? How do you feel about blah, blah? (laughs) I've been like, click. (laughs) This was great guys. Um, I would have understood. <laughs> so the thing I love about Michael Pollan's uh, documentary is what he basically boiled down all these different diet practices to is really three or four rules. It's eat real food, not too much, mostly plants, and drink water. And, right. You know, those four things, are, when you take out all the fluff and you you know, you're not calling it paleo, you're not calling it keto, you're not calling it high this or low that. I mean, it's, it's, you know, fuck all that. It's just, let's get back to basics. Let's have that balance for the most part, eat real food, not fake food, not processed food. You know, for the most part, eat mostly plants. You need a lot of meat, but you know, probably good to eat a a lot of greens and, and, you know, tubers and, and everything else as well. And don't eat too much of it. And that's right. really the, the key for, you know, longevity, for health. and To look like Michael Pollan. Yeah, right. <laughs> true, true, of course. I mean, like, this is the funny thing. Do you want to be jacked and super athletic? Well, most likely you're not going to live a super long, healthy life like you would think you would. Right. Right? Like Performance and longevity are two different things. One hundred percent. So, do you want a four hundred five back squat, or do you want to be ninety two years old with like an erection that happens once every three months? You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> right? Like, what? What? Like, what? Like, I'm with Joe Rogan on. Hey, if I die at eighty, 
living a great fucking life, doing a lot of things that I want to do. And, and, you know, like I eat super clean, right? Like I eat like a vegetarian who supplements with meat is what mm-hmm. I say. Yep. <laughs> However, if vegetables are so good, then why are there books that exist like plant paradox? Why are there diets exist that are called the carnivore diet? And why are there, you know, like, like broccoli comes from like the mustard seed plant, right? Like cauliflower comes from a mustard seed. Like these are genetically modified foods, right? So it's like, have we really been eating broccoli for hundreds of years, thousands of years? Like, I don't think we have. Mm -hmm. Like we were eating maybe asparagus, berries, seeds, tubers. There aren't like, go walk around outside and tell me how many vegetables you see. (laughs) (laughs) Like, right. I promise you, you'll see a cow before you see a bunch of vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. So, Somebody was talking to me about eating meat and they're like, I eat a lot of chicken. I was like, okay, cool. I get it. So I'm going to put you in a field with a knife and there's a chicken and there's a cow. What are you (laughs) eating for? And what are you, what are you eating for dinner? He's like, sounds like a cow. I'm like, right. What do you think the decision we made fucking a thousand years ago when all we had was a knife, right? Like in the middle of winter, tell me where you're getting your vegetables from, right? Like, tell me where you're getting all this from. And then I'll completely agree with somebody who says, and this is like the contrarian in me, right? Because I'm not a carnivore eater. But like, at the same time, when I eat a lot of vegetables, I'm like, why does my stomach feel so fucking gassy? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel that way? Well, guess what? I feel that way when I eat a lot of meat too. Right. So it's like, so it's like, it is a balance. There's something that needs to be had. And I think that ultimately we need to look at all the things that we're being told in all these books. And then I'll, we, you know, like, unless you know, like who's paying them and like where they're getting all their money from, you can't truly believe them like completely. Right. You need to do further research and think on your own. Like, do we live in the matrix You know, is this a conspiracy theory? You know, like, are we all just holograms? You know, like, are all these things like, hey, man, like, I'm down to play, like, conspiracy theories, smoke some weed and have, like, have a trippy time, like, thinking about crazy shit. But in the end, like, I want to see some fucking data that 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 doesn't feel biased about this conversation. Right. Um, Like, the, like, the industry of, you know, government and would have you believe that they are the health industry when they're really the food industry, it's right? Like industry, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, it's like, there's a difference between health and food, you know, like you, like your food pyramid says X, Y, and Z because you're, you're governing food in America. Right. But somehow they became the governing body of nutrition. Well, do you think that eating grains as a large part of the diet had something to do with the ability to grow grains at a faster rate and that American government had so many fields subsidized in grains? 
So it's like, where the fuck is this first food pyramid coming from? Right. And like all the things that we believed in for so long. And now we have all these people who are writing books saying, do this, don't do that. Like you'll die from heart disease if you do it this way. And it's like, okay, well, who are paying your bills? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Question everything. Like what, what supplement company do you own a part of? You know, or like what, you know, like what meat company did you invest in? You know, like whatever it is, I think you just need to question things and make sure that you're, you're, you're focused on your own specific goals. Back to the goals. Yes. Yeah. Back yes. to goals. Back to mindset. It's where we start. I love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so we ask everybody on our podcast uh, one question. And Green. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Be a good answer. That's <laughs> yeah. close, close. Uh, red or green? Red pill or blue pill? Um, I thought it was going to be like, what's my favorite color? Like, buddy, the kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, maple syrup on everything. Yeah. Um, so, Adam, how do you personally define impact? Um, I don't think it has to be bigger. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it has to be big. I mean, I think like, I think impact is, um, this would have been a great question for Todd Durkin. He has a book called impact and I'm drawing a blank on what it was, what, how he defined impact, but it's really about making change, um, lasting change Mm. on someone, some group or something. Right. And, um, I think that it's important to be impactful and that we should, you know, hopefully leave our, leave our impact on the world. You know, like some people would say like leave their impression or, you know, whatever, but I would like to leave an impact in the world. I, I love how you said, how you started that off where you said it doesn't have to be big. And you're the first person with that particular viewpoint that we've spoken to, or, or at least has expressed that view, you know, and, and I think a oh, lot man, of people be- make the biggest impact in the world, you know, or, or change everybody's life. But I mean, you could, for you, it sounds like you can just, you can impact anybody anytime. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. You can, like, you can, what, like, it's amazing, like the ripple effect of one smile to one person on one bad day. Mm-hmm. right like it's amazing like volunteering and giving somebody something that you don't need that they need right like and, and what that could do for them like when i when living in la there are these billboards that for the boys and girls club and like denzel washington was like a kid in the boys and girls club system mm-hmm. right like mark Wahlberg was a kid in the the boys and girls system like that means that they had like a big brother or a little brother to like watch them and teach them not to be an asshole or whatever the fuck it was after school because they didn't have like parents that could do X, Y, or Z or whatever the situation was. I'm not sure, but major people that have major impacts on other people's lives couldn't have done it with like a small impact of just one person saying, you know what? I think I'm going to volunteer at the boys and girls club just like one day a week, you know? And then they meet little Denzel and they're like, no man, you can do anything you want to do. Like, you know, anything, (laughs) you know? And he's like, really? (laughs) Actor? (laughs) Let's do it. 
right? Like I could be an equalizer two and one, like that'd be amazing. Right. (laughs) Um, so I think that, I think that a small impact can have a, can have a very lasting, because like I said, it's a lasting effect, right? So I think it's something that carries on for, for a long period of time. Amen to that, man. Mm-hmm. Is, there, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on or, or leave uh, listeners with? Um, nope. No. I think I said it all, man. Where, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, check me out uh, at Von Rothfelder on Instagram. Uh, is a great place. If you're looking for those nudes I mentioned, just do a quick Google search. <laughs> and uh, Images, but, turn off your yeah, filter. And... Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, really, I'd, you know, fuck me, I'd love for you to put the focus on strong coffee and just go check that out because for sure. everything I'm about, everything that I am, I put into that. And, uh, you know, anybody who ever is like, hey, I want to train with you, I want to do this. I'm like, how about you just have coffee with me? And that's a good start. So, um, have coffee with me, check out at strong coffee company. Uh, that's our Instagram handle. Our website is strongcoffeecompany.com, and, uh, we're doing cool things. Come check us out. Damn right. Hell yeah. Damn right. Hey dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was a, a blast. I uh, hope you're good it as well. <laughs> I did. I did. I, um, I'm going to go write some jokes for my comedy special. <laughs> yes. And we will enjoy the seats. show from the front. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. You guys have a killer rest of your day. Cheers, brother. And uh, I look forward to hearing this episode back. You too, Adam. We'll talk to you soon, man.